0: Hello, you're listening to Storytime with the Muggo. Today, I am joined by um, Don Acevedo. Uh, He's a good buddy of mine who uh, I work out with, with the uh, the F3 group, if you've heard me talk about F3. Um, For all the F3 brothers out there, his name is Smokey. He's the guy that went on the uh, the Roundtable podcast a couple months ago and talked about marriage. Um, Today, I have him with me, and we're going to talk about mental health and uh, kind of some of the the issues that uh, are as they relate to men in general. Um, So, Don, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right. Um, First and foremost, just to kind of get us started off, I wanted to talk about um, some of the shifts that we've seen in mental health awareness. Mm -hmm. Um, Specifically, I've seen a lot of people come out, famous sports figures or, um, you know, actors uh, coming out and talking about mental health in a way that I think is very healthy, um, kind of expressing what's going on with them and and trying to normalize it a little bit. So I think that's all good. I wonder if it's enough, you know, and, and where, where do you think we are as far as mental health awareness and where do we need to be?
1: Um, so where we are now is using the term mental health for referencing pathology and the alleviation of pathology, Right. So we talk about mental health, and we talk about this is an illness, and you need an intervention to make you better. So it has a stigma to it. I don't want to go talk about my mental health, because I'm not sick. There's a whole nother realm called emotional health, and this is the building of resiliency. Just like you and I work out with F3 to build our physical strength, there are things that you can do to build your emotional strength and develop emotional resiliency, which will reduce mental health symptoms. So there's a huge correlation between uh, exercise and improved um, symptoms of depression and anxiety. We know that. We've known it forever. But there are also emotional exercises you can do, usually called mindfulness or in that realm, that you can build the resiliency and your strength in resisting all of the toxins that are in our world that make us feel more Um, sick, so to speak, right? Mm -hmm. So I think we need to evolve from not just talking about mental health, which is really important, and there are a lot of folks who have uh, diagnoses and that kind of stuff who need support and help, but also talking about, hey, if you're okay, you still need to focus on your emotional resilience, just like you focus on your diet, just like you focus on your
0: physical health. So tell me more about mindfulness, and is that something that you do... Um, you know, you you mentioned practicing being more mindful. What are some of the ways that, that uh, people can do that?
1: So mindfulness is a form of meditation and it comes out of the Buddhist traditions, transcendental meditation and all the rest of that, but it's not necessarily the same. So one of the things that differentiates mindfulness is really focusing on the five senses. Uh, And it doesn't really differentiate because that's part of transcendental meditation (laughs) as well, but you're not trying to transcend here You're not looking for enlightenment. You're looking for grounding uh, Which is the first step by the way in enlightenment, but hey, let's just keep it here Right. (laughs) It's complicated. Yeah, it starts with your breath Breathing deeply all the way into your lungs most of us breathe at the top of our lungs on in our chest And that actually produces a sense of anxiety, like I'm not quite getting enough air. And if we slow down, if we relax and breathe all the way into our belly, like you're breathing into your belly button, what you'll find is your body warms and your body relaxes, it releases. And that's what you're looking for. And then mindfulness is about paying attention to all five senses. What are you hearing? What are you feeling on your skin? What do you see? What do you taste? What do you smell? What what do you feel inside your body? And as you get grounded more and more into those sensations, you come more and more into the present. Healthiness is in the present. People who are depressed tend to focus on the past. Folks who are anxious tend to focus on the future. When you can bring that back to the present, you find a sense of calm, and you can develop a sense of efficacy. I can do things in the world that affect my personal well-being and my life. Here, this, this is where you wanna be as much of the time as possible. Now, one of the things you'll notice if you start a mindfulness practice, sitting down, breathing, um, focusing on your senses, is that your mind drifts away. That's okay. When you notice your mind drifting away, go, oh, yeah, you drifted away. Come back. And every time it drifts away, just say, come back, gently, not, not harshly. And we tend to speak to ourselves mm-hmm. far more harshly than we would ever speak to anyone else. But gently going, oh, that's the mind doing exactly what the mind was designed to do. It's okay. Come back here. Gently bring it back. The strengthening in mindfulness happens from bringing your mind back. Not from staying in the position. That's a static hold. The dynamic hold is. Oh, my mind chased away, and now it's back. So that's how you begin the practice. There are lots of apps out there. Mm-hmm. Headspace. Uh, I don't know. You may have a favorite of your own.
0: I don't. But you don't. Okay. <laughs> I will look them up though. For sure. Sure.
1: And there are a bunch of them out there. Mm-hmm. Um, some for free. Some that you pay for. You'll have to figure out which one works for you. Sure. Uh, But the idea is this becomes a part of your practice just like brushing your teeth. So one of the ways to stay uh, dentally healthy is to brush your teeth twice a day or after every meal, floss, do all that kind of stuff. This kind of meditation, mindfulness meditation, is brushing your mind. It's floss for your emotions. Mm -hmm. And it helps you get all of that rotting stuff from between the crevices of your brain and bring you back to what's important to you
0: and how do you want to act in the world? Okay, so that's incredible. Thank you for that. And I think looking at it as, as emotional health um, is really more so what I feel like um, is at the heart of, of mental health issues. Um, I think that the next question I'm gonna ask is about stigma. And specifically why men struggle so much with uh, with opening up about emotional sorts of things, what keeps them from doing that. Um, because I, honestly, I think that's at the heart of why when a man struggles with his mental health, it's it's due to that emotional side of things. And so talk a little bit about the some of the, the stigma that you see behind um, or th- that might be a barrier for a man to open up and talk about these sorts of things. Um,
1: probably sharing my story is the easiest way to do this. Uh, I'm a Latino. I'm a first generation American, grew up in a very Latin American house. And as every good Latin American male knows, you can have all of the emotions that exist. Anger. Yep. That's That's it. That's the only emotion. There aren't any other emotions, just anger. Mm -hmm. You are never sad. You are certainly never scared. And love is a weakness. (laughs) So, and I get, I'm going to be attacked by the entire Latino community. (laughs) However, (laughs) that's an oversimplification, but the machismo that comes with um, the culture Mm -hmm. is a part of men are strong, men always know the answer, men are the leaders, uh, they don't accept influence because they're never wrong. There's a lot of that messaging that comes to young boys and men. And so to admit I'm scared, or to say, I don't know, is something men struggle with and yet need to embrace. There is no imperative that you have to know everything or have the right answer. The imperative is to connect to others, to have rich and deep relationships with all kinds of other people who might know or who can help. Particularly, I'm a marital therapist, your your spouse. Mm -hmm. Right. But men aren't trained this way, and we don't grow up talking to each other this way. We might when we're six or seven or eight, but certainly by middle school, you are not sharing that you're scared or you don't know um, or that you're hurt. You don't cry. You don't cry. I remember growing up, my father would say, you're crying? I'll give you something to cry about. Mm Mm-hmm. Very typical kinds of things, and I'm sure a lot of men out there are doing exactly what you just did, nodding your head, going, yep, I remember that. (laughs) So we're trained, and society trains us, in this model of not sharing our emotions. So we never develop language, and if you don't have language, you can't describe what you're feeling. Double whammy now. Uh, So I might have sensations in my body, but I have no word to describe it, so I can't tell you... And what we see in very little children is when they don't have language and they get frustrated because they can't get their meaning across, they hit. Right. <laughs> they lash out. They scream and yell because they're frustrated. So what's the very first thing men can do to begin to change this? Develop language. Emotional literacy is the first step. Hmm. How do I notice the physiological changes in my body? All emotions have physiological components. How do I notice those changes and put words to them? And if I have more words, like the five basic emotions, anger, fear, sadness, joy, love, all the other emotions are blends of these five or intensity levels of these fives, or blends of intensity levels of these fives. (laughs) And that creates a very rich uh, panorama of emotional language. But most men don't know all of these things. And so they can't describe what they are experiencing. And then it just shifts to anger because that's the one that we're um, reinforced in expressing. That's a very masculine emotion. Right. So emotional literacy is the first step into this. And the only person who can do it is you, the gentle listener out there. No one else can do this for you. There are lots of references, and there are a bunch of men that will help you who are more emotionally literate than you are. Uh, and you will never get it unless you ask.
0: That's exactly right. And I think this is a this is a good time for me to kind of talk about maybe some of the, the experiences that I've had over the last ten years. So I've been struggling with my mental health for about ten years now. Um, usually anxiety, but every once in a while it'd be depression, and I would go through you know a few months of a, a pretty bad depression. Um, 2014 was kind of like a, a turning point year for me, where things were just falling apart. Um, my marriage was was not so great. Um, I was I was being very selfish. Um, work was not my career was not where I wanted it to be, uh, and I was just I was very very stressed out, and things were going very poorly for me. And I was coping coping very negatively. Um, I was drinking by myself um, at home and, and hiding it from other people. Um, I was engaging in other sorts of behaviors that were um, just, uh, I was trying to escape, you know, the, th- all of the the negative emotions that I had through other means, and it was destroying me. It was destroying my marriage. 2014, um, my wife and I kind of had a, a big turning point, and, and it was kind of a, hey, you either need to get it together, or we're going to be done here. Um, and thankfully that was a (laughs) well enough of a wake up call that I, I finally started to think, okay, I got to do something here. Um, 2014 is also coincidentally the same time that I got started with F3. And the thing that I've noticed most about F3 and the thing that has meant the most to me is the relationships that I've developed with men. And I think what I just heard you say Uh, at least part of getting to a better emotional place and developing this, um, this emotional literacy is developing these deep relationships with men who you trust and you can talk about these sorts of things with, and you know, you're not going to be judged. You know, you're not going to be beat over the head or, or, you know, labeled a certain way. Um, and just over the last few years now, I was just talking to our friend Liverpool about this, uh, last night about how within probably the last year, I can start to see and I can start to tell when I'm going off a path of anxiety or going off a path of uh, depression or toward depression. And I can stop myself before it gets to that point. Whereas, you know, four years ago, I would blow up at my wife one day out of nowhere and she would have to sift through, okay, what's going on really? Because there's something going on with you that I can't tell. I don't know what's happening because you haven't talked to me. Nowadays, I can feel it. I'm like, I'm about two days away from blowing up on my wife. There's something going on. What is that? Let me try to talk this out with my wife before it gets to that point. And it's, it's, you know, getting to that emotional literacy. Mm -hmm. So what you just said is exactly what I wanted to talk about because it feels like there aren't enough men who are at that level and just like we go and work out and do pushups in the morning, we need to work on this sort of thing as well.
1: Yes. Yes, you need to ask your buddies, have you brushed your brain today? Mm. <laughs> have you Have you gone and really looked at, what am I thinking? What am I feeling? How am I doing in the world? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's a great check-in. And uh, what's amazing is today, 2020, we have a lot more men who are way more in touch with their emotional self and with relationships than there were when I was 20 years old. Um, which would have been like 1980-something. Um, and back then, we were still in the midst of the machismo world. Um, not that we're not now, but there's been such growth. I see so many men who stay at home with their kids where and support a wife who's an executive or a professional or that kind of thing, and they do it with pride and with dignity. Um, they even make YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. It's, it's pretty amazing, and these people are much more in touch with their emotions. They are more common than we think. But they don't stand out. They are still afraid of the same male shaming that goes on if you have a deeper emotional range. And that's the challenge. How do I know who to approach? Mm -hmm. One of the nice things about F3 is we're doing something else and I get to know you for a while before I'll take the risk of throwing out there, you know? my life's not going so well right now. Um, and I have a better chance of getting a positive response back. So that's actually a way a man can get started. Not just with F3, all right? I'm not shamelessly plugging F3, <laughs> F3Nation.com. F <laughs> three um, There are other places. There are places like churches. There are places like Rotary Club um, or Optimist or lots of other community organizations Where you can meet people doing something else, learn about them some, and find the ones who might be mentors for you about how to get to the next step in your emotional literacy. And then there are, of course, therapists like me. Mm -hmm.
0: Exactly. I was thinking on the drive over here that um, human nature and the way that humans have lived on this earth for as long as we have is that we've learned from a physical perspective being proximate to other people is good for our physical health. It keeps us alive. Right? we can work together if one of us is sick the others can take care of them right we don't necessarily always think about emotional or mental health in that fashion you know being proximate to men who you can have a deeper connection with um or not just men. i mean your spouse or, or whomever um that is integral to our survival i think mm-hmm. i think as we talk more about that um you know we'll, we'll be better as a as a human race frankly yes so
1: Yes, yes, we will. Very much so. Um, And for the longest time, we have made anyone who has any mental disorder marginalized. Way more so than we do with physical illness or physical disability. Uh, If you have a mental health issue, for the longest time, up until about uh, 15, 18 years ago here in North Carolina, mental health was not considered on par with physical health. So it was reimbursed at a much lower rate, uh, at lots of discounts, um, because, eh, you know, that's not really a thing. You know, it's not like I can give you a pill. That's a real thing. Or I can do a surgery. That's a real thing. This, not so much. What we actually know is that the pills and the surgeries work way better when there is emotional connection with whoever the provider is. Great research study, I think it was at a Harvard Um, It was either out of Harvard or the Mayo Clinic. The only difference, right, same grade surgeons, same kinds of things. They went in and did surgery. One set of surgeons touched their patient when they came to check on them. Just held their hand, shook their hand, grabbed their foot, but some kind of physical contact. Hmm. Those people got out of the hospital 10 days earlier. 10 days (laughs) earlier. Talk about saving money. Talk about the risk reduction, because every day that you're in a hospital, you have a high risk of other infections and that kind of thing. Um, Not because of the hospitals. They're really, really clean, but because you've got a concentration of sick people, right? (laughs) Um, But just that little contact, that sense that you're a human being. Our emotional health does way more for our uh, ability to fight off infection, to stay um, healthy overall. As a matter of fact, recent research shows If you have a loved one, someone you're really connected with, and you're about to go into an MRI, which is, if you've ever been in one, it's a really tight cylinder, um, and it makes a lot of noise, and you're supposed to stay still, but if you have a partner who holds your hand before you go in, you're calmer, your heart rate is lower, your blood pressure is lower, you feel more confident, they're just outside the door, and when it shuts down, they come and grab your hand again, that reassurance makes all the difference in the world, so powerful mm-hmm. that 's how our our mental and emotional health affects our physical well being and our capacity to connect to other people.
0: so we are just about out of time um, i don 't want to take up too much of it, but I do want to talk about um, the uh, the project that you 're doing with your with your kids um, so tell me a little bit about the uh, the road trip.
1: So we started uh, a podcast entitled The Relationship Road Trip. Um, You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, The people on the show are my son, who's the host, my daughter, who's the other subject matter expert. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist, and myself, a PhD clinical psychologist with 30-plus years of experience in relationships. And we're looking at all of the relationships in your life, Your relationships with your parents, your siblings, your friends, your spouse, your children, your coworkers, your boss, your direct reports. All of these relationships. How you interact with people that you may never see again, like the server in a restaurant. All of these people are important to you. Even that server in the restaurant that you may only interact with for a handful of minutes in your entire lifetime and their entire lifetime. Every soul we touch is an opportunity to allow them to lift us up and recognize how they're doing that and for us to lift them up. And the more of those uplifts we do, the more joy we experience in our life. And you have a choice every time you interact with folks as to whether or not you're gonna lift them up or tear them down. But you're gonna do one or the other. It may not be at the extremes. It may only be somewhere in the middle but you're either gonna leave them with a positive sense or a negative sense. So think about that. You have direct control Mm -hmm. over every one of those interactions. What will you choose? So the relationship road trip tracks all of that. Um, It looks at the kinds of relationships you have in your life, uh, what are the tools and um, measurements you can use to understand how healthy the relationships are in your life and what to do about them. If you notice that one of those gauges is a little low, um, how to fill up them tires, <laughs> right? and how to navigate the potholes and find the path that you want to create a life worth celebrating. And that's really what my goal is in the world as a therapist. And what my clinic does is to help people create a life that when they are at the very end of it looking back, they want to celebrate. They want to dance, saying, yeah, well-lived and it doesn't matter how old you are or where you're starting from. You can create a life worth celebrating. You know, Charles Dickens actually wrote about this in The Christmas Carol. Mm. So Scrooge was a despi- despicable human being, right? He's old, too. And yet once he realizes and takes personal responsibility for the life that he's lived and makes a new choice on a new day... He starts to undo all of the damage he'd done in his life, not only to other people, but mostly to himself. Hey, it is the ultimate story of redemption. So anyone who want to talk literature, come talk to me about Charles Dickens. and
0: uh, <laughs> that's great. and Scrooge. So that's the relationship road trip. Uh, you can find it on um, any of the podcast mediums out there: iTunes, uh, or not iTunes, Apple, Spotify, all those places. So go check that out. I mean, I feel like we just barely scratched the surface talking about emotional health and mental health, um, and how those relate to physical health and um, some of the things that we can talk about. But it sounds to me like if you guys want to hear more about how to uh, to develop those sorts of um, skills uh, and Carry those into your relationships with people. Go check out the Relationship Road Trip. It sounds like a, a wonderful resource. Um, I'm sure I will be checking that out very soon. So, um, Don, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your wisdom with all of this. Um, yeah, I appreciate it. My so, pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. You've been ta- listening to uh, Storytime with Emogo. Thank you for checking us out. Um, we will get back at you next week. Talk to you later.